Welcome to Taidu, tuned in, dialed up, where you can hear me, Elena Fernandez, in for Will Williams. Hey, we're all professional. So. It's it's just one steady climb to being in for Ira Glass. Like that's yeah. what we're that's what podcasting's that is. about. Just that getting is. And you can hear uh, the co-host here. Hi, I'm Gavin. I'm the one who's not gone today. <laughs> Will abandon. Will us. is taking a vacation at Disney. Will is de-stressing at Disney, and we are all very jealous and watching Will's Instagram updates with much mirth and anger. <laughs> <laughs> Although it seems to be a running thing that whenever podcasters go to Disney World, things break because. The McElroy's encountered, I think, two different rides breaking down mid-flow, and uh, apparently Spaceship Earth stopped with Will oh, on it. No. <laughs> so the term Omni-Mover is becoming a little sarcastic at this point in time, but hey, we're That's all having no fun good. here. So, Ellie, welcome to the show on on your own for once. It's wow. just us in here. Scary. Scary. Because this, <laughs> I'm just going to be honest, this episode is the result of me sitting here on Monday of the week before this goes up thinking, yeah, Will's in <laughs> Orlando. Oh, wait. We, new episode next week. Fuck. <laughs> Podcasters, blessed with the ability to plan. I'm such a good planner. So we normally start off each episode of Tuned In Dialed Up by talking about something awesome that's happened in the past two weeks. Ellie, what's your shining um, moment? My shining moment is kind of a, a delayed shining moment that's coming up that I'm preparing for. So I got asked a little while ago to uh, give a presentation at International Podcast Day. Woo! Woo! I'm like super excited. I'm also super anxious. <laughs> <laughs> um, last night I got on Will Williams's podcast problems Discord and I uh, freaked out all over it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the people there were super nice and they were really wonderful and helped me like get some good momentum going on my presentation. So if you want to hear me talking about. Uh, Audio fiction as a diverse space and its potential as a gateway to uh, new podcast listeners. I'm giving a presentation uh, September 30th at 8 p.m. That's Pacific time. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> audio fiction. What's that? Is that another term for scripted podcast? Listen, don't ruin my <laughs> shining moment, Gavin. <laughs> Uh, just a shout out to everyone out there who produces, listens, whatever. The term scripted anything oh, is a huge misnomer. Uh, I, I, My favorite instance of that being before it got canceled and then brought back as a horrible corpse of itself. Top Gear was the most successful show or like live recorded show in BBC history they won a award for best non-scripted show and they they talked about it on air by saying that's really cool and I talked to my script supervisor and they thought <laughs> they thought it was pretty interesting too like they have scripted segments everyone's got scripted segments even if it's like 
Like I have scripted things, not for tuned in, dialed up, but for red light library, there have been scripts before the term means nothing. It does. And also if you, if you want to get into the fact that the term actually does mean something, then get into the fact Mm -hmm. that it's not just fiction that's scripted. Yep. Like there's tons of nonfiction shows that are scripted accession, which is an art history podcast, uh, a thousand things to talk about, which is a great, like, daily almost daily micro episode podcast about asking questions like mm-hmm. there are tons of scripted shows and speaking of scripts my shining moment of the last two weeks is some unfortunately timed uh or not unfortunately timed because it's not like it could would have been great at any other moment uh my my main computer's being a bit of a dick and i've been swapping out parts ordering things waiting for them to get here it's made me a bit gun shy actually using said computer uh and that has led to me spending lots of time on my laptop just writing so now i think my my pilot for secret sci-fi thing that's not ready to publish yet is uh what is it let's see here 25 pages of script so far and about 10 of those happened in the last four or five days So it's trucking Hooray! along finally. I just need to finish that and then do seven more, and that's a season because that's it's, it's easy. Fucking fiction's easy. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Gavin says while <laughs> laughing completely believably. Yes. Um, so today uh, we have a topic to discuss that is close to your heart, Ellie, and I just want to say these podcasts are in a filter and pocket cast for me labeled absolute (laughs) garbage one thing i will say partially because tuned in dialed up is not a place to dish the hot goss and partially because will would kill me when she gets back we are not going to directly name anything we talk about today but we are going to be talking about ethics and podcasting Um... And before we get into ethics and podcasting, uh, I would just like to note that we're also going to be, because we're talking about ethics, we're also probably going to be talking about legality. Um, We are not lawyers. Nothing Mm -hmm. that we say constitutes legal advice. If you need legal advice about something related to your podcast, please find a lawyer, someone who has a license to practice. (laughs) Um, That's my disclaimer that needs to be said. Uh, I may include some like commentary from a lawyer that I asked for advice from. It does not constitute legal advice on their part. <laughs> I think that covers it. There are several, shall we say, trends or things that have popped up lately in podcasting that we have been talking about just in general. Uh, a big chunk of it, I think, is going to be us talking about one-party recording law, Um Ellie, what is one-party recording consent? In the United States, we have recording consent laws, and they vary by state. A one-party consent law says that only one party in the conversation that is being recorded has to consent to being recorded for it to be legal. And that means either yourself as a party in the conversation or your source who is a party in the conversation. Um, so this is why mm-hmm. uh, this is why when you have a phone conversation with some kind of customer service agency, uh, they can record the conversation without telling you. Even though they do, but they have to for states that don't, which is why the majority of robot calls start with this call may be monitored for uh, training. Or right, whatever. exactly. Um, 
But then the the others and the one party consent law is um is found in almost all of the states and District of Columbia. Um the two party consent law is found in 11 states. That's California, Connecticut, Florida, Illinois, Maryland, Massachusetts, Montana, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, and Washington. And that one says that um, if they ban secret recordings, recording a conversation between two or more people, uh, if not all parties in the conversation consent. So if you have, if you are recording a conversation of any kind with with three people, all three people need to consent and know that you are recording the conversation. So for it to be legal. And there's a lot of there's a lot of like other stuff involved in two party consent laws. Like in 2014, Illinois' two party consent statute was held unconstitutional. It's a bit of a mess, but <laughs> uh, that's the basics. <laughs> Yeah, as I live in Indiana, which is a one-party state, and I only know this because I lived in a very sketchy apartment complex before I moved to the one I currently live in, and I looked up recording law just so that I could legally be okay if I left my phone's audio recorder running and just kept it in my front pocket whenever I talked to my landlord because, or sorry, property manager, we didn't even have a landlord the uh, property manager would just go back on things they said the day before. Like, it was nuts. But I've never really used it in a podcasting sense. That is not to say I have not heard it used in a podcasting sense. Ellie and I have been listening to a handful of shows late uh, in the last couple of days. It hurts. It really does. So, um... We've all seen this, like candid. In te- the television term uh, version of this would probably be like the old school candid camera or like prank shows. And in a camera sense, you can get away with anonymous recording by blurring faces. Like that's a really easy way to get around that. Or you have everybody in the shot, then sign a waiver after the fact. In audio form, that's not really possible because. It's just the voice is a voice. You can mask it, I guess, but no one does. Uh, So there have been several shows that have been founded under the pretense of, I recorded this person without them knowing. Let's talk about this, the wacky, stupid shit they said. Yeah. And let's, let's not forget also to like touch back on the point that it's not just that you're recording them without their consent. It's that you are then also broadcasting it without their consent and the fcc does not yet regulate podcasts but it will eventually (laughs) that's the kind of shit that will lead to podcasting having to fulfill fcc guidelines in the same way that youtube has to fulfill fcc guidelines because youtube blew up and a lot of people started doing some unethical shit with advertising content which forced the fcc to start paying attention and I, I'm, I'm not saying the FCC would automatically ruin podcasting as it currently exists, but um, this this is how you go down that road. When you start flaunting shit like this, uh, yeah, it's not like... And this is coming from someone who, like, my, my main show, Red Light Library, does not get permission to do what we do, but we operate clearly within the guidelines of fair use law as defined by the United States, 
uh, socket EU, your meme banning law was <laughs> adorable. Um, <laughs> but still, uh, it's op- it's operated, hosted, and b- broadcast in the United States. So yeah, uh, we operate under fair use law. Recording someone without their consent and then creating a whole package around so the disgusting. idea. Like, I see the entertainment. It's disgusting from an ethical standpoint. I see where the entertainment value is. Like, I see where that producer's coming from or producers are coming from when they do it. But, like, um, it could also just be fake. Because here's the thing. It doesn't even have to be fake. Here's the thing. When you put a camera in front of someone, they start doing stupid shit. Because they can see the camera and they know it's there. And we just, we like clock it and then it's always there you put a microphone in front of somebody they forget it's there like i have recorded enough people who lose any sense of proper mic use and start blowing on it and plosiving i've done it myself it's easy to forget it's just a piece of metal the fact that the whole concept is i'm running my phone recorder and keeping tabs on what this person is saying or recording phone conversations like even if you said every time we talk on the phone i'm just gonna run the recorder and whatever stupid shit you might end up saying is gonna be the focus of the podcast that would be as funny and you would have the exact same amount of it wouldn't change like anything except i guess the way that you brand yourself like you it is entirely possible, yes. I guess, if you wanted to continue to brand yourself as saying that you secretly recorded them, but that not being true, like that's yeah, you could just people lie do that all the to time. The people already lie to the audience yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah. All you have to do is just stick a little disclaimer on your website or in the tr- the end of the podcast, right. saying like, "Oh, like, stick a disclaimer on your website." Blah, blah, blah. Like, like it's not. You can run this pseudo fiction thing that is a not like it can be this weird art experiment thing and not have to violate like someone's trust, uh, potentially expose uh, a person's like private details that they don't want shared uh, because except for a slightly different case, which we will talk about in a minute dealing with the police. Uh, a a band of police who think they're doing the right thing. Um, It's not being done from a, this person is horrible Mm -hmm. and I'm making, I'm keeping the receipts kind of thing. Uh, Every instance I've heard has either been a prank call situation or which are the easiest things in the world to fake anyway, or um, it's just, I recorded someone for a long period of time and then I filtered it down to the stupidest possible content. Uh, So I very classy. So for my thesis, I was required to go through the institutional review board process, which is where they like, basically they take your experiment and they dissect it and make sure that you're following ethical guidelines and laws that are in place to protect not you, but the people that you are going to be like analyzing and getting data from uh, because you're going to be collecting personal Mm -hmm. data you're going to be collecting personal information um, and you're going to be collecting you know depending on what your experiment is information that they may not want exposed elsewhere and when you do an institutional review board process one of the things that they make you do is they make you take an ethics course Um, depending on, on how intense your experiment is but when I did it I had to take one and listening to these podcasts 
just <laughs> recording people without their consent, without their knowledge, and then broadcasting it without their knowledge and commenting on on everything that they said, um, and and publicly on social media asking for ways to market their podcast without the people who they recorded finding out. <laughs> <It's>, yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. It makes me feel like we needed an IRB for podcasting, okay? <laughs> yeah, because like I, this does bring up a question I wanted to ask or I thought of asking the other day. Uh, Ellie, do is pod, does the, the podcasting community, is it behooven of us to follow the same ethical guidelines that a journalist or a uh, someone in the academic community would follow because I know I worked in a newspaper for quite some time. I worked. I mean, I was I was in college to become an educator, so I have been surrounded by like a, a higher form of ethic than some person in their bedroom looking for a hobby to do on their days off. Um, like, what level of scrutiny should we be holding ourselves to and this is there's no like trick answer to this i'm not yeah yeah no uh in my opinion and it's only my opinion um podcasters should be um holding themselves accountable to a degree of ethics that a journalist would even if you're just recording from your bedroom and the reason for that um, is not just, there's multiple reasons for that, but the big ones, other than the one of it's it's ethical, <laughs> it's just a good idea. Um, the other one is that depending on, on what it is that we're talking about, Bam. you could get sued. Um, people can sue you. It could be tortious, what you're saying. Um, if people find out, like, it could, it could ruin your life. <laughs> um, depending on what it is that you're broadcasting, what, what you're podcasting, sorry, um, you know, it can go in horrible ways for you. It could be libel, um, depending on what you're saying. Because if, if you're if you're putting something out there about someone that's libelous and they aren't a public figure and they don't have to like prove that they're a public figure, which is like a whole thing by itself, then you know they could you could get sued in court. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um. So we should be thinking about following exactly. an ethical guideline yeah. that will, in the end, what it's doing is not just protecting our relationship with our audience, but also protecting yourself as a podcaster. Because there's, it's not to say that everything that's unethical See, is also illegal. But a lot of the things that are unethical can be, you know, can have like civil suits brought against them can be that, illegal yeah, or found you, that you way. You phrased it perfectly because like, I mean, I basically came to the same uh, opinion, but using far less official sounding means. Uh, uh, I just, well, I'm just, I'm thinking about, again, the, the growth of YouTube, how we had that period where anyone could do anything <laughs> because YouTube wasn't like the number two website on the internet or anything like that. It, uh, you got to see these, really unfortunate situations where people were faced with losing their livelihoods over the fact that they made prank videos for a living and then suddenly realized, Oh crap, 
we're not blurring anyone's faces and now we're getting sued or I recorded my, my partner for three weeks and then they just chopped it in such a way that made them look like a dumbass. And then that person's like, like rightfully so mad about that. Um, it like, we're not, it, it, this podcast isn't a 24 seven feed of a person like that is also unethical, but it's also not a 24 seven feed of something. It's just, I, whenever uh, I seek relief recorded whoever, and I know I'm dangerously close to saying one of the titles of one of the yeah. shows, sorry, but whenever you secretly record something, the format is basically always the same. I have taken these five seconds that are hilarious. We're going to goof on those five seconds for about five minutes, and then we're going to do something else. Prank call shows do the same thing. The prank call usually lasts about 20 seconds, and then minutes of laughing and breaking apart the logic of it and damn that was a good joke like it just doesn't like (sighs) it would in in a way it would be easier to fake all of it and in a way it is it's easier to fake all of it also you just you're not betraying people's trust because it's kind of like a nice person thing to do yeah just be nice be nice to people. I don't understand why that's hard. <laughs> oh, and sell your show properly. Because I we have one to talk about that Ellie and yeah. I have both listened to that uh, now that I have listened to all of it, I understand why it's not necessarily ethically wrong because it... Um, so long story short, and I'm sure people will figure out which podcast this is again. Sorry, Will. Um, there is a podcast that is being produced by an actual police organization uh, in California, I think. And it's about someone who's on literally on the uh, like they're in the top 20 most wanted people in the United States list. And it when I first started listening to it, the way it was presented, it felt like this was a police organization throwing away innocent until proven guilty like the 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 inherent foundation of the justice system in the in the united states is the assumption of innocence until proven guilty everyone who's not white just snort just snorted and i get it like yeah it's not like we're killing people in the streets but like from a fundamental perspective to protect and serve is to protect and serve not uh uh create pieces of media to track down one specific person whose name we're going to say 5,000 times. But it turns out it's just a really poorly presented attempt at turning. There was this show, uh, I forget. I think it was on Fox for years, America's most wanted. Uh, and also, um, America's scariest police chases. And it was basically just like cops. Like it, it was just, you know, generic shitty true crime stuff with the guise of helping the nation by being like here's a mugshot of a, of the number five guy on america's most wanted list if you see this man call this crime tip number blah 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 this police podcast is actually about a guy who was arrested and in the process of being in trial from on trial for murder and then bolted <laughs> so they literally are a fugitive and I get that. But if you're going to make a serial-esque podcast like that, say at the front, we think this guy killed his wife. Also, we nabbed him, and then he escaped. 
Because then your show doesn't feel as... <laughs> so the show in question um, has a lot of problems. <laughs> and not just in in the presentation that Gavin is talking about, which is a serious problem. Um, but uh, in, in both the legal and the ethical sense... So in the legal sense, um, I, I asked um, a lawyer that I know uh, their opinion. Because you are awesome. <laughs> and I know a lot of lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for, for clarity's sake, for our audience, I work in, uh, in forensic linguistics. So I deal with the language and the law. I, I study... Um, how language is used against marginalized folks by the police and by the justice system. Um, so I know a lot of lawyers. Um, <laughs> and I asked a lawyer that I know their their opinion on, on this topic. Um, mm -hmm. And so, first of all, it's important to note that, that when the police are dealing with, you know, an arrest, an arrestee or something... The police have the latitude to lie to you. It is, it is fine. The Supreme yep. Court has stated that it is fine for the police to lie to you. They can say that your friend told us everything. They can say that they have your DNA, that they have you on video, that they have a witness. They can say whatever the fuck they want. Um, the only thing that they... That's, that actually yeah, comes up. Exactly. That comes up. Uh, the only thing that they can't do, according to the Supreme Court, is lie to you about the substance of your Miranda rights. As someone whose thesis is about on the Miranda rights, they do this all the time. They lie. They obfuscate. They don't mm -hmm. translate for people who need translating. Okay. Um, so with a public statement like this podcast, it's it's likely not going to be illegal in the criminal sense, right? Because the police, the police are able to release yeah. any kind of information that they want about a suspect if they think that it will help them find them. Um, but it could be tortious if the person in question sued for libel or damage to reputation. But truth is yeah. uh, like 100% is a defense to libel. And public figures don't get the same libel protections. So he would have to prove that the allegations were false and argue that he's not a public figure. So basically, it's probably not strictly legal but it's almost certainly not illegal in the sense that any court of law is going to hold the police accountable. Um, oh, yeah, no. And also... Especially since they're not bringing in outside uh, sources to produce the show. It is 100% in-house. Yeah. Exactly. It is all internally produced. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you successfully sue the police department, the department will indemnify the officer. So the officer will never pay for anything done within the scope of his duties. And, and the union um, and internal affairs process will aggressively protect the officer's job. This is what we know as the blue wall of silence. Um, so even if it's in the general interest of the department to not do bad things, there's very little incentive for like any particular mm -hmm. uh, individual officer to not do something illegal or unethical um so that's the lawyer's side um this is probably not strictly legal in some senses they could get sued it's not going to have a huge effect no court of law is going to prosecute them basically 
Um, but on the other side of ethics is this problem that we see in a lot of true crime podcasting, which is a topic yep. that is now ramping up and I'm very grateful for it because we do need to discuss it, is making a narrative for consumption, for entertainment consumption based on the horrible um, stories of victims mm -hmm. um, and and glorifying them a little bit and not just glorifying, maybe not glorifying, and definitely in some senses glorifying, but, uh, you know, making it, it's, it's exploitative. They're making them a victim and they're putting their pain on display for consumption. The first episode of this podcast spends more than half of the time talking about this fugitive's sons. Yep. And their emotional responses to what's happening. And these are these are children. They are under 18. Some of them are under 15. You know, these are these are kids. It's disgusting. I actually couldn't listen past the first episode. I was just so disgusted by what I was hearing. Yeah, no, it's it's really bad cuz like um the the format is where it again this is the thing that really i i was texting ellie about this earlier when i was listening to the the two episodes that are up um it builds this melodramatic like soap opera uh backstory around the uh kids because the the idea is this, this guy killed his wife came up with a really convoluted backstory as to why he didn't kill his wife um and that and the the framework is the kids didn't get picked up from school so a friend a friend of the family had to pick them up and take them home and then the police were called and all that uh it's presented in such a like emotional way that has zero bearing on what the seeming point of the podcast is it's like I would say that one 15 yeah. minutes is more disgusting than mm -hmm. uh, any 15 minutes in S-Town. And I have spent a lot of time giving S-Town shit for its ethics. A lot of time. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they, they somehow single-handedly like rocketed to number one spot of most unethical That's podcast. It. <laughs> and given that yeah, we specifically looked up some unethical podcasts, that's a that's a big earning. So that's the problem. So there there are tons of articles being written right now on true crime podcasting, um, and their ethics, uh, and what's exploitative and what is what is yeah. genuinely positive about true crime podcasting. And I I want to shout out something like Missing and Murdered. Um, Missing and Murdered is a Canadian. It's a CBC podcast um, that is produced by, oh my God, I've forgotten her name. It's produced by like a, an indigenous Canadian um, journalist uh, about the injustices suffered by indigenous Canadians in, in, in the past in Canada. And she has genuinely gone out of her way to help these families and discover what's happened to, for instance, the children that they were forcibly separated from because the Canadian government rehomed them without their consent. Um, it's a very well done podcast. Um, and things like that, that are investigating systematic injustices and talking about what needs to change in the structural oppression of marginalized communities 
that is what is useful about true crime podcasting. I have not. I haven't had any time, but you, so I want you to talk about that. There are examples of ethical true crime out there. And one can sit there and just listen to my favorite murder or case file or whatever and have fun with it and not really, you know, it, the the Transformers movies of podcasting where it's just like, I want to hear about this thing. Fuck it. <laughs> you can do that. Or you could source like... Yeah. Ethical shit. (laughs) It gets really complicated sometimes when, you know, when when you have maybe like some some people sitting around a a bunch of microphones talking about a cold case, maybe, or talking about like a specific um, criminal act and then giving a bunch of examples. Um, That's like I I, I listen to a few like that and they're fine. Um, I listen to several that specifically use it to talk about systemic injustices like episodically so that's nice but then you have stuff like the ones the repeated instances of true crime podcasts that are about and i I, i'm using this specific example for a reason that are about dead women and go into the detail of describing how the women died and what they look like when they're dead and the impressions people get from the dead body of the woman Oh, and also focusing on like, what do the killers think? And like somehow trying to humanize that, that urge. Yeah. Like either trying to humanize the urge to like kill women or narrativizing it um, to create a story. And that's part of the problem is that they see it as a story, but it's not just a story. These are real people. These are real people who died in horrible, horrible events who prop are like justice isn't going to really serve them. It's to serve their families and the loved ones of the victim. And it's exploiting the survivors, you know, the family members of whoever it is that died, the husbands and boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever. Like it's it's a like the justice system is supposed to be about that about serving justice when someone has been a victim of a horrible crime. And it's not a story for entertainment. And that means that if you are addressing this specific example that I have of the high rates of murder of women, you need to think about the way that you are talking about the victim. There is no need for you to sensationalize their death there's not necessary it's disgusting and it's unethical glide over it all we need to know is that they died all we need to know is that they died and maybe we need to know like how they died like very briefly like they were shot by a gun and that's it you don't need to spend an entire episode describing the moment of their death to me that's all i have to say on that (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think we have covered as much of this topic as we're, I mean, we could probably do about three more hours of this, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) Will would not thank me. But yeah, no, we, uh, it's probably time to transition to a more, uh, upbeat section. We're going to talk about some podcasts that don't suck. Yay. It's recommendation Uh, recommendation time. time. 
now today I'm gonna bring this is definitely gonna help for anyone who's feeling a little on edge after this uh today I'm very special tuned in dialed up um so shocking no one I'm gonna recommend a McElroy podcast fucking of course I'm stunned so I, I have a good reason though um for those who haven't heard, Justin McElroy has started a show called The Empty Bowl, a meditative podcast on cereal. Uh, it is specifically structured to be a podcast for people with anxiety, for people who like breakfast cereal, or people who fall into both categories. Um, because he's found there aren't a lot of shows out there specifically built around being calming and being and and specifically only talking about topics that will not be stressors um and i also think the empty bowl is justin's response to hearing his brother travis start that like 10 minute positive positivity uh twice a week show that's happening um also the Empty Bowl is co-hosted with a person whose name I've already forgotten who runs a serial blog, which is amazing. Uh, <laughs> and the show is unfortunately produced and distributed through Anchor, uh, which we've all had many, many vocal problems with. Uh, in the show notes, I will link to uh, a Twitter thread pretty much detailing why we have a problem with Anchor. Yeah. So while I have a lot of problems with Anchor as a company, I get why McElroy went with the empty bowl or took the empty bowl to them because there is a way to basically donate like you would through a Ko-Fi or coffee um, where you can just donate a specific amount. Um, half of the money go, I think it's half of the money goes to funding the serial website that the co-host runs and the, other half um goes to a food bank in huntington west virginia where mcelroy is from there's only one episode out and you could be reductive and just say it's just two dudes talking about breakfast cereal uh for like 15 minutes i think i think it's like 20 15 minutes and and um they play like soothing ambient music behind 23 minutes just soothing ambient music behind them because that's basically what it is but it fulfills this wonderful little niche of it tells you this is to be calming and that is a i think that's a important thing especially these days that we need a little bit more of that's nice i really like that that's so like that's so positive i like positive podcasts y'all yeah, they, they reminisce about, um, I think it, they start reminiscing about Halloween-based cereal. Eh, nice. <laughs> uh, they also mull over the fact that uh, uh, Justin knew Cereal Season 3 was coming. <laughs> and that's why the word cereal isn't anywhere in the title of the show. Uh, that's hilarious. Um... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's nice. So we talked a lot about true crime podcasts. Um in this episode <laughs> um so i'd like to recommend one that that dives into the troubled troubled past of teenage criminals called what's the delinquency <laughs> oh god all right now it's over I love how, 
I love how I love how Will has gotten to you people to, to the point where everyone just starts slipping it in the first one. Yep. Um, <laughs> correct. Uh, so that that comes from Jared Worley. Jared is part of um, uh, Late Nights with Sonia Romaine podcast. He's going to be voice acting in a few upcoming stuff. Uh, his Twitter is at Hattie Palms. Go follow him. He's hilarious. He makes great memes and also provides me with a lot of puns for the pun cast segment of Tuned In Valda. Ah, uh, Jared. <laughs> I have a bank. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but in all seriousness, uh, like Gavin, I wanted to talk about a podcast uh, that was a bit more positive, a bit more lighthearted, maybe, uh, or at least, you know, um, nicer to listen to. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to recommend Accession. Um, I love Accession. Accession is... Accession is a podcast about experiencing art um it it talks about art history uh in some cases right it talks about the history behind the artists that create these things the painting itself um but it also is meant to help guide you through thinking about art and imagining it in your head so the creator th ponders in the episodes actually has moments where he's talking about what the painting looks like um what it looks like and what it feels like um and sometimes the ways that that he does this is very experimental so like he has an episode where he's talking about an, an art piece through a kind of an audio drama setup um he has one episode that i love called the letters to the gulf of juan gulf of juan is a is a pointillism famous pointillism painting um and he he reads these letters that he wrote to this painting while he was, you know, falling in love with it, kind of as if he had had a relationship with that painting. Um, and it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful work. He does an amazing job um, with making it feel like you're going somewhere else, maybe to a museum or maybe to just a space, a, like a point in space, feeling this painting you might not know what it looks like mm-hmm. um and then the other thing that i really like about accession is that it he's often trying to find new ways to make it accessible so they've got transcripts um but also in in one episode that he wrote entirely in like a children's story poem he provided like worksheets for the children for children who might be listening he also provided a different version of the episode that doesn't have music in it um, for children who, mm. who need um, lower sensory input. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like the there's an episode where he just talks about, where he talks about um, the subjects of a famous woman painter um, and all of the music that's present in that episode is music that was composed by women. So, you know, he puts a lot of thought and effort into his work and I highly recommend that everybody listen to it. I love finding shows that have a lot of specific uh, like drive to them. Mm-hmm. It's it's really heartwarming to see that amount of effort put into something. Yeah, definitely. All right, Ellie, I have a podcast. You know, there's been a huge uptick in we go. food based. Uh, <laughs> there's been a huge uptick in food based entertainment with 
you know, the Food Network taking off, uh, Bon Appetit's YouTube channel is this fantastic source of interest. Uh, there has also been a huge market now for like high quality cooking implements. And there's this company out in New England that has not only started to produce like high quality stuff, they've made it real kitschy to kind of get that Instagram boost of like looking cool in photos and stuff. So what they've done is they've like, I not the best idea in the world, but they've started making cooking implements that contain the shape of a nearby city in the implement. So they've got a spatula that's, you know, uh, shaped like Salem, Massachusetts. So that's like, uh, that is called the, you know, spatula Salem. Like that's their naming technique. You've got this, uh, you know, uh, Lawrence or uh, frying pan Lawrence. And then their most popular uh, implement, greater Boston. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> you're grounded <laughs> for when your cheese has to look like for boston. when your cheese has to look like boston after you grate it somehow it's like grated in the shape of boston it's just like a big old cutout in the side of the grater you just hold it no you just hold it over your plate <laughs> like this little, <laughs> little, little little vaguely boston shaped lump uh, my second, actually, my I changed it because it, you actually put me onto this podcast, but it's not been recommended on the show mm. yet. A Long Look is a fantastic show. A Long Look is the host uh, standing in front of a painting and telling you everything about it. <laughs> like, it's the most simple, uh, or that's the most simplified version of... Um, how I could possibly describe this show. Uh, it is in, oh, what's the museum? Hang on. Uh, I'm looking through the show notes. I should know this. I've listened to every episode. I should too. I've listened to a <laughs> lot of it. National Gallery of Washington, D.C. The National Gallery of Washington, D.C., which has some fantastic pieces of art. Um, Rembrandt, uh the railway by manet it there's some amazing paintings that are have it's it's and you would think this is a good half hour long podcast but it's usually like five to ten minutes max it's never that long of a production but you feel like even if you've never seen the painting before you feel like you know what it's about and it's even better if you listen while looking at the painting like when I first consumed it, it was it was while driving, so I I couldn't, but I still like the show. Now that I've listened to it, sitting down with a laptop, looking at a high res version of what the host is telling you about, it is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I highly recommend a long look. Right. Uh, I think we we got through that suggestion section pretty painlessly for once. Yeah, I only did. A, yeah. Well, hey, look if I if we get through plugs quick enough, we might not break an hour. All How right. about that shit? That's a rarity. Uh, <laughs> so Ellie, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me um, on Twitter at showmark. That's S H O M A R Q. Uh, you can find me. I am a writer at the Bellow collective. That's B E L L O. Um, and you can find my newsletter, uh, audio dramatic, um, hey. at, uh, 
tinyletter.com slash audiodramatic. And if you are already subscribed, keep your eyeballs peeled next week for some important announcements. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> or no, wait. Wait, when we, this comes um, out, it'll be this uh, week. It'll be tomorrow. Hey, time. Hey. <laughs> Thanks for the time travel. Yeah. Uh, if you want to... If you want to find out more about the show you're currently listening to, head over to dialeduppodcast.wordpress.com and we are at tuned in dialed up on Twitter. There might have been a slight hiccup in daily tweets after somebody took over the reins while Will was on vacation and <laughs> fucked it up. Good job, me. Uh, if you want to find me, <laughs> if you want to find me complaining about random shit and sometimes saying nice things about other stuff, you can find me on Twitter at the pod report, T H E P O D R E P O R T. And uh, I might even get out a podcast review by then to my website. Because the last thing I put up on the website was a uh, uh, an article to the New York Times and editors of all pop culture websites telling them to cut out the bullshit with posting um, previews of shows written by people who don't listen to a lot of shows. Good article. Uh, in retrospect, that article is a little out of date given that BuzzFeed just oh, fired a lot so of people. Awkward. So, <laughs> yeah, now me, now me saying, hey, there's lots of us you can hire. Yeah, that's even more true, unfortunately. So, yeah, a lot of talented people out there that need, need places to get health insurance yep. from. We should probably get on top of that. Uh, places like, oh, I don't know, The Verge, where they assembled a $2,000 gaming PC with the worst possible tactics. <laughs> oh, man. If you ever feel like you fucked up, just look up the fact that, or look up that reactions to The Verge building a $2,000 gaming PC, because they get someone to build that PC who just doesn't know what they're talking about and does it in such a way that um, wow. The Verge pulled the video <laughs> It was a sponsored video too. Like Capital One sponsored that, and they filmed it with this dude who's like, "Yeah, you just need to draw a shape with this thermal paint. You don't, and uh, this has to touch this, otherwise it'll oh, electrify no. the case. It won't." Uh <laughs> oh, okay. Well, if you ever need to feel good about yourself, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I am a good source for those for those kinds of videos. All right. Uh, this has been tuned in, dialed up without Will. Obviously, we uh, we had a lot of we had a lot of not fun, and we had a lot of fun at the same time. We had, we had it was an emotional roller coaster ride today. Thanks for joining, Ellie. Thank you. It was wonderful. Now, <laughs> here's hoping next time it's a little bit more positive. Wee. <laughs> True crime gets fixed tomorrow. Sweet. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>